0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 84, Engage Thrusters. I'm Gary Jordan and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, NASA scientists, engineers, and astronauts, all to let you know the coolest information about what's going on right here at NASA. So if you're familiar with us, you may know that we've been reviewing some of the top technologies for a spacecraft to survive in deep space. We've talked with experts that work on NASA's Orion spacecraft, the one that will be traveling into deep space. And we've talked about life support, protecting from heat and radiation, and maintaining navigation and communication. And we'll tell you all of those episode numbers at the end if you want to check them out. So today we're talking about Orion's propulsion system and how it will help maintain the vehicle's course through the cosmos. We're talking with Steve Barcy, European Service Module Propulsion Subsystem Manager based at the Glenn Research Center in Cleveland, Ohio. The service module is being built by the European Space Agency and serves as the powerhouse for the spacecraft with 33 engines, one that serves as the main engine for major in-space maneuvering, a few uh, auxiliary engines, and then the rest of them for basically steering. We talk with Steve about the propulsion system, how it works, and why it's suited for deep space travel. So with no further delay, let's jump right ahead to our talk with Mr. Steve Barcy. Enjoy.
1: Minus 5 seconds and County Mark. she
0: goes. We have a podcast. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to talk about propulsion and uh, how we're going to get to deep space and the energy needed. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Okay, so the topic is uh, propulsion. It's, uh, I, I guess... When I think about propulsion, I think about the movies and the you know the main pilot of the Starship Enterprise pushing forward <laughs> and actually you know going warp speed into space. But I'm assuming it's a little bit more complicated than that. So I kind of wanted to start by backing up and and getting with the the very basics of propulsion. So if someone asks you, Steve, what is propulsion? What do you say?
1: So p- propulsion is uh, just the mechanism by which um, a vehicle uh accelerates or, or translates through through space hmm. and so it doesn't necessarily have to be a pilot it it could be um, an autonomous system with multiple classes of engine. Um, it's basically anything to it's it's the mechanism by which you get from point A to point B.
0: Okay, pretty important when it comes to actually flying in mm-hmm. space right yeah. So it's not it's different from an actual launch right um, I guess that is technically propulsion but what we're talking about is the Orion, Vehicle actually flying through space, and actually, it's not like you see in the movies where you just see that uh, glowing blue light at the back of the ship just constantly firing with a constant acceleration. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different when you're actually trying to fly through space. Mm-hmm. Is it, I guess it's more like coasting, right?
1: Um, well, well, there's 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 active periods of active propulsion, and then there's coasting. So okay. periods of active propulsion is when uh essentially anytime you're firing uh any of your thrusters or or main engines Hmm. so it could be your your reaction control system those are the smaller thrusters um it could be your main engine um but uh, when the engines are not firing then you're just you're you're coasting through space
0: okay so are they uh scheduled then do you have to really know when you're going to be firing all of these different engines or uh
1: Yep. Or, yeah. So, so for the main main propulsion system um, and the auxiliary engines, uh, those those burns are planned ahead of time, and they, okay. they you execute maneuvers based on a burn plan. Hmm. For things like the reaction uh, control system, where you're using it to uh, maintain attitude, um, it's it's not so much a predefined maneuver. It's it's you're firing thrusters to maintain your spacecraft attitude.
0: Okay. So basically you're firing the thrusters to make sure you're pointing the right way Mm -hmm. and you're not turning or any kind of, okay. Right. So that's, that's, that's what it is. And this is interesting is I was, I was reading about the propulsion system. There's 33 engines, right? Mm -hmm. So, but only one of them is like the engine that you think about when you think about propulsion, right? The one that just fires and you just go right. The other 32 are for what you're saying for maintaining the attitude.
1: Yeah. So so there's a main engine on Orion. Okay. Um, and that's, I think what you're, you're, of alluding to yeah. um, around the main engine to so the main engines at the center of the vehicle on the bottom um, on the service module around that main engine there's eight auxiliary engines mm-hmm. those essentially provide the same function so they'll, they'll oh. provide uh, similar translational thrust maneuvers um, and they back up the main engine in case there's a failure I see. Um, it's the the twenty four smaller thrusters um, that are used for attitude control. Primarily. Okay.
0: You got main, and then you got auxiliary, and then the auxiliary control. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought there was thirty two. That that clears things up mm-hmm. a bit. All right. So, um, what are you firing? You know, is it is it that nice blue light that you see in the movies, or, or what, what? are you actually using to to make the propulsion work?
1: Uh, so the, the two fuels that we used. It's uh, a bipropellant system. Uh, the fuel is monomethyl hydrazine um we abbreviate it with MMH and then the oxidizer is um, um uh it's called mon 3 it's uh mm. it's a mixed oxides of, of uh nitrogen
0: okay so the propulsion is a chemical reaction then? yep okay yep
1: so we uh there it's a hypergolic system so when the fuel comes into contact with the oxidizer um, it just ignites, so there's no igniter necessary on any of the engines on the service module.
0: Okay. So how does, uh, how does everything work? Do you have the oxidizer over here and then the other thing over here, and then they touch, and, and when they connect and make that chemical reaction, it spits out the, the Yep. Cluster. So uh,
1: okay. you have the, the fuel and the oxidizer in separate tanks. There's separate actually tanks. Uh, two oxidizer tanks and two fuel tanks um, on the uh, European service module. And uh, downstream of those tanks, you have valves and plumbing that, that essentially gets the propellant from the tanks to where you need it to, to um, where it's needed at the engine level. So you have uh, plumbing and valves to get it to the main engine, to the RCS engines, and the aux auxiliary engines. And then uh, once the uh, two propellants come into contact in the injector or downstream of the injector, they'll ignite. Um, you'll get a reaction um, and the uh, and thrust is produced. Um, and, and that's what uh, provides the, the motive force to get you f- to where you wanna go.
0: There you go. It's these two things meeting and then firing out. Mm-hmm. And just that little bit of force is really all it takes to, to make the thing go and to, mm-hmm. to actually control the attitude and then to have that main engine and the auxiliary engines mm-hmm. there too. Um, so when you're thinking about the fuel, uh, you have you said you have two of the one type and then the two of the oxidizer, right?
1: Two tanks of each. Two yep.
0: tanks of each. Uh, how much are you bringing with you? Yeah, I guess you you have to think about weight versus you know the mission itself and and all those kinds of constraints.
1: Yep. So so each tank holds about twenty one hundred liters of okay. propellant. Okay.
0: Okay. Compared to. I guess a car or, or like a, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to draw a comparison of how much that is 2100 liters.
1: So a car is probably on the order of 14 gallons or so, so uh, significantly more than what your car
0: <laughs> <holds>. <laughs> Several cars, <Yeah. laughs> many cars. Um, okay, so the tanks themselves that are actually holding the fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm imagining, like, a circular, kind of spacey-looking tank. Is that what it is? Is it a spherical tank?
1: So, so we've got several tanks on on the vehicle. Sever- the the propellant tank, so the tanks that actually hold the propellant, um, you might think of it as a cylindrical barrel with um, mm. hemispherical domes on it. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of what the propellant tanks look like. The other tanks we have on the vehicle are um, high-pressure gas tanks. So... Um, Basically, we use uh, high-pressure gas, regulated high-pressure gas, to push the propellant out of the propellant tanks. Mm. And so those are spherical tanks, and they contain our helium, uh, which we use to pressurize the propellant tanks.
0: So you have tanks to hold the fuel and then tanks to push the fuel?
1: Yep. So so tanks that hold gas that—, that Hold the gas that pushes the fuel.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah oh, okay, this is a pretty complicated system. Mm -hmm. How much of the, uh, this is all, I I guess we should kind of go back to where is all of this, right? It's not on Orion. This is on the European Service Module, right? Right. What else is on the European Service Module? Uh,
1: So the the European Service Module um, is essentially the powerhouse um, of Orion. So um, you've got solar arrays there. Um, You've got avionics boxes. Um, the avionics boxes, uh, they do a lot of the commanding, um, of the, uh, the valves on the pr- propulsion system. Hmm. Um, but you got a thermal system, um, and so there's a, a, a number of subsystems that make up the European service module.
0: Okay. The avionics boxes
1: are, uh, computers? Uh, so uh, you could think of it as a pass-through. So pass-through. Um, the, the vehicle computers on the uh, crew module side of the interface. I see. But uh, they essentially take commands from the crew module and then turn that into electrical pulses that open and close valves.
0: There you go. Okay. All right. So and then the thermal is uh, is to make sure that the vehicle itself is at a reasonable temperature
1: um and it will pre- predominantly the, the european service module in, in and of itself oh um, i see but but yeah it's the control temperature of the vehicle
0: okay yeah. and the european service module is where the solar rays are right yep so there you go there's the there's your powerhouse mm-hmm. you got the actual electricity you got the fuel you know that's a that's a pretty important piece mm-hmm. um so how is how is the european service module um it, it, does it draw from any lessons we learned or, or any technology that we've used in the past, like any, any kind of Apollo technology or any kind of shuttle technology? You know, what's what's inside there?
1: Yep, so um, I think that probably the two vehicles you could probably point to are shuttle and ATV, the automated transfer vehicle that oh. the Europeans developed.
0: Um, that was a cargo vehicle, right? Yep. Okay.
1: Uh, so, so I'd say that's probably where we started. Um, and so a lot of the... Um, I'd I'd say uh, original concept of the design you can trace back to uh, some kind of ATV heritage. I I think there are a lot of uh, some shuttle influences in the design. I I think the biggest example of that is on the main engine and the thrust vector control system. Mm. So um, our current Ohms engine, the Orbital Maneuvering System engine, and the thrust vector control, um, those uh, systems have both flown on shuttles um, oh. already, and so at the the start of Orion, we had this um, inventory available uh, that that met Orion's needs, and so we uh, essentially re- repurposed that those hardware um, to to fulfill the, these objectives that we uh, have in Orion.
0: Okay, so they're proven. Mm-hmm. They you know they work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the and and this is the part. Uh, this is the main engine with those auxiliary engines that you were talking
1: about? So, so it's the main engine. Main engine. Um, okay. so, so the main engine, um, a, again, it wasn't just a drop-in replacement from shuttle. We, we did um, uh, essentially service the engine prior to delivery to um, Airbus. Okay. Uh, we added some redundant instrumentation. Um, shuttle had two ohms engines, so there was some redundancy there. So we added instrumentation to the engine itself to, to, to buy back some redundancy. Uh, Shuttle flew in low-Earth orbit. Orion doesn't. Um, yes. So uh, there were some thermal constraints on the engine um, that, that we just didn't have to deal with on shuttle. So um, uh, we, we, uh, uh, we we modified the engine to essentially add a thermal protection um, to, to intercept any heat for, for those deep space missions. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the pedigree on the Ohms engine. Uh, the pedigree on the, th- the thrust vector control. so it's, it's two actuators and two controllers. Um, so the, the thrust vector control actuators they attach to the, one end attaches to the ohm's engine. the other end attaches to the structure on the ESM. And uh, basically uh, on command you can gimbal the engine in, in pitch and yaw directions to um, vector your thrust in a certain direction.
0: Okay. The idea is control. Mm-hmm. Yep. As, yeah. The idea is to make sure you're pointing the right way, and the the extra technology you need to move from shuttle to Orion is the extra constraints that deep space puts on you, mm-hmm. which is a lot of, especially thermal. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it wh- which direction? I guess both directions, right? Hot and cold.
1: Um, predominantly cold. Predominantly cold. Um, so, well, actually, I take that back. Um, it is it is both on the hot and the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, the cold, um, because there are certain attitudes where we're pointing the nozzle to deep space. And so the nozzle is acting like a radiator, just pulling heat out of that engine. Um, on the hot side, there are attitudes when we're uh, pointing the tail towards the sun. Um, and and we have solar energy just um, impinging the engine and warming things up. So it, it's a mixed bag, um, both hot and cold. Um, uh, provided some challenges for... for Um, Modifying the engine for use (laughs) in Orion.
0: I can imagine. It's not as easy as, you know, just fire the engine and go. It's just Mm -hmm. where is the engine? Where's the sun and how it's facing the engine? And Mm -hmm. you have to think about all that whenever you're flying. That makes flying a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, um, so let's talk about the European um, service module a little bit more. Uh, We kind of went through all of the different. I guess, components of what's inside of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so where are we at with it? You know, Where is it being built? I think you mentioned Airbus. Airbus is one of the, I guess, prime contractors yep. of, of so, it too?
1: Um, Airbus is ESA's prime contract. Okay. Um, and on the propulsion system, um, the uh, Airbus uh, folks in Bremen, Germany, are, are the, the primary group of, of people responsible for the propulsion system. But they leverage a number of resources um, and and suppliers and and uh, both uh, within Europe and, and in the U.S. Um, that make up the entire propulsion system.
0: Okay. Yeah. How are we? Uh, how are we working with them then to make sure everything comes together?
1: Um, it, it's uh, it's it's certainly been a learning experience, but um, the, the vehicle is built. Um, it was uh, oh. delivered to K S E. Hey. So the the first vehicle is is back in the U.S. Um, and uh, we're we're taking all those lessons learned and and applying them to the build of the second um, ESM.
0: Okay, so was it tested in Germany or is it going to be tested here? A little bit of both.
1: A little bit of both. Okay. So um, uh, before you know any any component leaves your supplier, you do testing at the lowest level possible. So that mm-hmm. could be at a valve level. That could be at a sensor level. Um, those parts are delivered to Germany they get integrated you you test them at the next higher assembly Uh, ultimately you install that assembly into the vehicle and you do uh, a number of tests at at the at the um, European service module level prior to shipment Mm. Uh, so uh, those tests uh, were completed and um, the vehicle just arrived at, at, at KSC um, and, uh, over the next, uh, several months, um, it's going to be subjected to a number of integrated spacecraft tests. Okay. So it'll, it'll go through a, a battery of tests, um, both functional tests and, and, and tests during environments. So, um, acoustic testing, thermal vac testing, thermal cycle testing, um, just to shake out the system, um, prior to flight.
0: Yeah. Getting you know any kind of things that you missed—that's mm-hmm. really what you're gonna do. The poor thing, you're gonna just blast everything at it, huh? Yep. <laughs> All right. So so it's a lot of um, you, a lot of things for the European Service Module itself, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure it's gonna withstand the environment of the space, uh, the you know launch, everything in between. So what about um, the propulsion system testing there? How do you make sure that everything's gonna fire the way you want it to?
1: So it's the same thing. So um, so uh, the first thing that gets done, they'll they'll mate the European Service Module to the crew module adapter. Um, We'll do a number of uh, proof tests and leak tests on those joints that we just welded up. Uh, There's a battery of functional tests that get performed where you're opening and closing valves, Mm. making sure that the service module is communicating with the vehicle. Um, And uh, uh, the service module is, is part of that integrated spacecraft assembly testing. So it'll see acoustic testing and thermal testing as well and um, we'll be checking out the system along along the way to make sure it's still healthy
0: okay so it's part of that whole integrated mm. testing you mm-hmm. know why would you test the system separate if you can just do everything all together right. kind of saves yeah mm-hmm. and you're, you're getting a similar results even better actually because that's where that's how it's going to be positioned and yep. everything so that makes sense um okay so let's talk about um the missions coming up mm-hmm. uh you know we're 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 testing a lot of this right now we have the european service module i guess in florida right now Mm -hmm. uh crude modules being tested we had a couple podcasts about um the uh uh, escape system you know that's being we got a lot of tests going on here everything is going to come together and you're going to launch everything and test it on em1 exploration mission one so what are we looking forward to for uh propulsion testing on em1 what's that going to look like
1: so, uh, we still have qualification testing in front of us. Okay. So, um, that's our integrated um, subsystem testing down at White Sands, where we're uh, firing multiple thrusters the main engine, the auxiliary engine, and the RCS um, in, a, in an integrated fashion, mm-hmm. um, doing different burn profiles, just shaking out the system at the, at the propulsion subsystem level. Um, and,. Uh, that uh, from a prop propulsion standpoint that that's probably the most important testing we can do to qualify the subsystem because mm-hmm. we will get all the interactions with the different engines firing um, and, and from our our purposes it's it's pretty important from up from an overall um, spacecraft certification um, but once we pass the the propulsion qualification uh, subsystem testing um, uh, there, there's really no uh, additional testing outside of the normal integrated spacecraft test that the rest of the vehicle is going to go through, um, uh, at, at least from from a subsystem level, that, that we'd say we're ready to fly.
0: Hmm. Okay. Wow, that's yeah. coming up soon then. It, mm-hmm. seems, it seems like, you know, a lot of these, these boxes have been checked. You know, what, what? one thing that just came up just uh just based on what we were talking about you know testing and then we're, we're actually going to fly this in deep space right this is for em1 mm-hmm. uh I, I was thinking about the fuel you said the fuel was mmh right and mm-hmm. then you have an oxidizer um why why those why why did you choose those kinds of fuel for um deep space versus i guess other types
1: well i mean the, the other t- class of fuel is cryogenic okay. and uh, i think cryogenic fuels have the challenge of being able to keep them cold for mm. Uh, long duration, deep space missions.
0: Okay. So. so this is just, this works for this mission profile, mm-hmm. deep space, you know, that it's gonna, it's gonna work, it's gonna work where you want it, how you want it, that
1: kind of thing. Plus the pedigree of the, I mean, that was the fuel system that, that's been used on, um, multiple vehicles. Um, Proven. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. That kind of helps too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh. I guess EM two now. Now we're looking forward to actually putting crew on the vehicle and testing it with crew. Mm-hmm. Any differences there, or is it pretty much uh, pretty much the same?
1: Uh, so, so there are differences. Okay. Um, I mean, at the at the uh, subcomponent level, um, we're rebuilding valves that that um, you know we might not have been for EM one. We're using different sensors in some cases. I think the biggest addition for um, EM-2, at least from a propulsion standpoint, is the addition of um, helium cross So that allows you to uh, essentially um, pressurize one propellant tank in the event you have some anomaly in, in, in or blockage in another part of the system. So from a, a crew survivability standpoint, it was important to add that capability.
0: Hmm. Crew survivability, uh, redundancy, is that really what it comes down to? or Yeah,
1: so um, if there is some blockage or leakage in the system okay. um, and, and you find yourself in uh, an inability to pressurize one of the propellant tanks, um, cross will will give you a capability to um, get the crew back.
0: Okay, there you go. Which is, you know, that's one of the main things about flying people is uh, crew safety, mm-hmm. making sure you can get them back um so what about the actual control of the propulsion uh for em2 or for i guess any mission really um are the crew actually do they have a stick and are they controlling where the thing is going to go and where the thrusters are firing or is a lot of this automated how is does how everything controlled
1: it's mostly automated okay. um, I, I think for future flights there will be some um uh, manual control of the reaction control jets um, but but for the most part, um, it, the the burn plan will be uh, something that'll be defined prior to launch.
0: Okay. Do you have a good idea of the the plan for propulsion during some of those missions, actually going around the moon and everything? So like, once the spacecraft actually separates from the rocket, right, SLS, mm-hmm. uh, at what point? Are those main engines firing at what point are the you know the thrusters firing to control the attitude do you have a good understanding right even right now of when things are going to happen
1: uh, I, I think a, a decent understanding okay. I, I think from our perspective though from from a prop propulsion standpoint um we're giving the vehicle a capability Aye. and so um b- basically what we're saying you can fire your main engine up to X number of seconds. Um, you could fire your auxiliary uh, engines uh, for this duration. You know, h- how you choose to um, uh, use up that, that total amount of burn duration is, is something that the mission planners have something at their disposal uh, when they design a specific trajectory.
0: There you go. That's the difference between the engineering side and the operations side. Mm-hmm. You You just define... This is how long you can fire a thruster, mm-hmm. and it's up to the operations folks to say, "All right, we want it to fire here. We want it because we want to go here and make sure mm-hmm. that it's having enough backup for this." Okay, that's cool. So, are you working pretty closely with the operations folks then to uh, to understand what? their mission needs are and it's to actually define the requirements for building the spacecraft yep and it's, okay. it's
1: always a give and take um i, I mean on one hand from, from a mission planning perspective you want to maximize your amount of capability yeah um and, and sometimes that doesn't always mesh with what the hardware can actually do and so there's there's a give and take between um trying to maximize the capability and, and stay within uh to maximize the vehicle capability and stay within the component or engine um, uh, capability that that it can deliver to the system.
0: Okay. Is there any uh, kind of cross-disciplinary sharing, especially within Orion too? So are you the propulsion guys talking with the avionics guys talking with the life support guys? Um, Is there some cross-disciplinary stuff there to make sure everything just works together?
1: It is. So uh, we are um, very close coupled with the avionics guys um, without commands to fire the engines our propulsion system isn't going to do anything so (laughs) uh, we we are working closely with them um and then i'd say from from a thermal standpoint too uh, we do work closely with with the thermal team and Mm -hmm. um uh trying to to understand um and, and make sure our propellant doesn't freeze in our lines, for instance, and yeah. cause a blockage. So we, we do work closely with the thermal team as well.
0: That's important. So at, at what point, you know, uh, with this testing, you have to understand the risks that are associated with actually flying this thing in space. Mm-hmm. So the balance of, of the, or I guess the challenge, really, of mitigating the risks with understanding how the thing is going to work and making it work efficiently. Mm-hmm. So efficiency versus risk. How do you, how do you measure that?
1: Um, it, it's a judgment call um,
0: <laughs> well, of, of many people on the team, right? Yep. yep. Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, ultimately, I think we're charged with delivering a system um, that we believe is safe to fly, mm. and so um, in some cases, uh, that might mean that might not mean uh, that, we're, that we're able to touch chase something down to the nth degree but um again we we believe that that we're um minimizing risk um to the spacecraft um uh from from a technical standpoint
0: yeah minimizing risk because ultimately you have to hand this technology over and say okay put humans on it go Mm -hmm. fly it you know that's pretty important Mm -hmm. um you, you said you, you talk about building a capability, especially from the engineering standpoint. You you designed the propulsion system to work, mm-hmm. and here you go. You guys do with it what you want, right? So looking forward to um, you know missions even beyond EM-1, EM-2. We're, we're talking a lot about the moon now. We're going back to the moon. We're going to have missions to the moon, um, but then even beyond the moon, mm-hmm. right? So um, thinking about the capability there. Is a lot of this translatable to many different Profiles just even beyond the moon.
1: Yep. So um, again, from from a kind of fixed data point, you're carrying your tanks can only carry so much propellant, and your gas tanks can only carry so much helium. Um, But what you do with that, you do have a lot of flexibility in terms of um, what set points you're operating the engines with. For for instance, um, where you can um, buy back some capability uh based on specific engine performance
0: okay there you go so so the answer is sort of Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a lot of other factors right Mm -hmm. you know you're not just going to blast orion off into into mars there's a lot of other considerations Mm -hmm. you know because the vehicle itself uh is designed for a I think up to three weeks right, Mm -hmm. Uh, for a crew to actually survive on. So if you're going to go to Mars, you're probably going to need a Mars transit vehicle. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of other considerations there. Propulsion is uh, pretty interesting. Is there there other things you're looking forward to uh, for, I guess, upcoming tests or even something in the near future for for propulsion on Orion and and the European service module?
1: Um, I'd say the biggest thing I'm I'm looking forward to from a test perspective is uh, one of the last... Uh, it's a qualification test we run at the subsystem level at White Sands, is uh, a full-up test with all the engines firing, oh. and um, it's stressing from a, a propellant demand perspective because you're firing all the engines, you're, you're um, at the same time at the same time. Yep. Wow. It's um, gotta be a sight. <laughs> yep. So that, that's probably one test I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like I was talking with. Uh, I think it was ronnie backus on a couple episodes ago about uh, orion's heat shield and thermal testing and i was like that's got to be an engineer's dream man you Mm got to do the thermal testing all you're doing is shooting fire at the thing right Mm -hmm. that's that's pretty fun it's it's when things you know you get to do those sorts of tests those are really exciting Mm -hmm. and to really not only just you know the exciting part of just the visual like wow this is so cool i get to shoot fire at the spacecraft i get to you know really push this thing to the limits but really to push your knowledge, too. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that you put into this vehicle is being tested. You're really given it a run for its money. And if it comes out the other end, you know you did your best.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yep. not
0: bad. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the uh, podcast today and describing propulsion. This is absolutely fascinating. And it sounds like you've thought a lot of this through and are working with a great team to make sure everything comes together. So it's very exciting.
1: Thanks. It's been a pleasure.
0: Like, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Never Houston. Welcome to space. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So today we talked with Steve Barcy about Orion's propulsion systems and how it's going to get us through deep space. So that wraps up all five of our technologies from the article, the top five technologies needed for a spacecraft to survive deep space. You can check out the episodes on Houston. We have a podcast in no particular order. Uh, Episode 66 was titled 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Talked about Orion's heat shields. Episode 69, navigating deep space on the navigation and communication systems. Episode 79. On radiation shielding and episode 78 called Livable Space on the life support systems. Uh, You can go to some of our social media accounts, especially NASA Orion and the NASA Johnson Space Center. Use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Submit an idea for the show and uh, just make sure to mention Houston, we have a podcast so we can find it. This episode was recorded on November 13th, 2018. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Norm Moran, Pat Ryan, Greg Wiseman. Laura Rashaun, and Rachel Kraft. Thanks again to Mr. Steve Barcy for coming on the show and taking the time out of his schedule while he was here in Houston. We'll be back next week.